Hey, welcome to Real Talk with Nina. I'm Nina, and shit is about to get real. Today, I have Britt East and Jonathan Beal with me, and I am so excited. I've had Jonathan on in the past. I have not had Britt on in the past, and he's an incredible author. I can't wait till you meet him. And we're going to talk about some pretty interesting stuff surrounding why I may envy gay men and and even by men i think that i've done a lot of thinking and i've always just been super drawn to gay and bi men just as human beings and i never really thought about why until fairly recently and so i'm going to have brit and jonathan kind of steer me in the right direction and we're going to have some super honest conversation as always and uh, let's see if they can help me out with this one so i'm going to bring them on right now hi guys can you hear me okay Okay. Yay. Okay. Um, I was just saying how this, I've had Jonathan on my podcast before, but never Brit, but I was just recently on your podcast, not going quietly, which is awesome. And I told everyone they should definitely check it out. And uh, just kind of giving a, 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 an overview of what this conversation might go into was really just how later in life I've been more aware of my envy of gay and bi men. And I did not understand why I've always been attracted to them as human beings. Like I've always had one, I've always had more guy friends than girlfriends to begin with. I hate focusing just on the orientation, but I feel like the experiences of gay and bi men are Again, I don't want to say similar to mine because I they're not, but I feel like they're just seem to me so much more free. Let me interrupt you really quickly yeah. because you are at an intersection that I love. And I thought I've been thinking about this for years and maybe I'm just totally full of beans. I keep waiting for somebody to yell at me or be totally outraged with this. So here goes. Um, <laughs> I think there is a difference between a sexual orientation and sexual behavior, sexual fantasies, sexual arousal, all that kind of stuff, and a culture based on a sexual orientation. So I think there's a there's nuanced differences and underlying meaning between the word homosexual and heterosexual as compared to gay, queer, or straight. I think mm-hmm. the latter refer to cultures and the former referred to orientations. And I think that's where you were. You're like parsing, like, wait a second, what am I attracted to? Their orientation, that doesn't make sense. No, I think what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is I think you're attracted to the culture. Yes. Yeah. And that's why I hesitated. I was like, it's not that I'm attracted to them as people because they're gay or bi. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's there. I think I'm envy. And this is going to people who are, who are, gay or bi are probably going to want to slap me, but I'm envious of their, their freedom. Uh, and I know that like, obviously not right away because they probably live more not free than free, but I feel like sexually speaking, but also maybe it's because once they're out, they, I feel like at that point, they're like, fuck you, I am who I am. And I'm going to now I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. And I feel like maybe I'm kind of like, God, it took me so long to be able to do that. And I think there's definitely parts of me that still aren't doing that, especially as a female sexually. (laughs) Um, Life is full of paradoxes. And one paradox at play here that I think you're noting is that through our systemic oppression and through straight supremacy, we experience liberation as our agency increases. Now there's a lot of pain and trauma and work along the way, mm-hmm. but you are, I mean, understandably attracted to the thrill of that liberation. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I wanna just take a step back real quick because I, I briefly explained what both of you guys, you know, I know Jonathan's been on before, but it just, so people know, like, why did I choose you guys to talk about this? <laughs> so I just found these really cute guys on the road. You guys have got me on my podcast. Um, so Britt, why don't you tell us a little bit about, about yourself? 
Yeah, I'm a, I'm a gay man. I've been married for 13 years. I live in Seattle. Um, I published a book called A Gay Man's Guide to Life a couple of years ago. That is a life manual for anybody written from the perspective of gay culture, um, in particular gay men's culture, who maybe didn't get the education requisite to um, being a full-fledged thriving adult that um, other people might have. And so to help give people a leg up in life. And I'm also the co-host, as you mentioned, of Not Going Quietly, a podcast um, that I co-host with Jonathan. And so I spent a lot of time thinking on the issues of queer liberation, intersectionality, social justice, and radical togetherness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's perfect. I mean, clearly he's an author. That's why he said it so, <laughs> so eloquently. I was like, Brent is an author and he's really good at it. And <laughs> his book has won awards. And <laughs> Can I just say, I hate following Brent. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jonathan, see, you have the accent. So it's like, everyone's like, I don't know what he's even saying. It just but sounds, it sounds so really hot. smart. Yeah. <laughs> We're smart. I said hot, but yeah, smart too. Sure. <laughs> oh Lord. Am I supposed to follow that then? You, you are. Okay. You are. All right. I'm a coach and I've spent the last 18 years trying to understand myself and my sexuality. I'm a bisexual male, ostensibly. And, um, <laughs> and, and I too have kind of spent a lot of time really, really noodling on kind of humanity's problems and how we can best solve them and navigate them and be more connected and come together in <clears throat> our common issues and and I've sat on my whole high horse a lot of times and I you know <laughs> realized that I'm doing it and got stuck in my righteousness and and navigated out of it and all of that stuff so in a nutshell that's me well, you guys are both amazing. And if anyone has listened to the previ- one of the previous episodes I had with Jonathan, Jonathan is actually single-handedly responsible for um, my love for gay and bi porn. So that's your token of- oh, I will take that. Oh Classic. <laughs> Not because Jonathan does it, um, but because Jonathan challenged me on something that I had said a while back when trying to wrap my head around this kind of newfound internalized misogyny that I didn't know that I had. And he said, well, you know, he had explained, I mentioned something about, it was just something about like, oh, the thought of a guy pleasing my husband. I'm like, I could wrap my head around it. Cause I mean, like I love men and now there's two and one of them is my husband, right? But the second I flipped it where my husband was pleasing another man, all of a sudden it was like the whole thing just changed for me. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. It seems, it seems feminine. And I said the word feminine and I like cringed my face. And Jonathan, you had pointed out like, wow, you know, like one, um, you're actually female and (laughs) you just cringed at the idea of something being feminine. So you might want to check yourself on that. And two, you clearly haven't seen like a masculine guy on guy thing, which was accurate. So I took to porn because that's a great teacher, isn't it? Um, And in I would say in this case, it was, it was for me. And um, I've never looked back. (laughs) My husband, he'll open the laptop and be like, Nina was on again today. Yes, I was. (laughs) I'm really pleased to be a part of your, your, uh, I suppose, sexual awakening. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. And that's why I have you both on, because you're both incredibly intelligent and so self-aware and, you know, and are comfortable challenging my thoughts because that's what I need. That's what I'm looking for, right? So if I have a thought process or a belief system that I know I either am not aligned with or don't want to be aligned with, the only way I know how to shift that is to literally practice it being challenged. And so that's why I have these conversations. And I would say in the majority of my podcast episodes, when I have experts like you guys on, it's because of that. It's because I don't, there is no better 
people to challenge this specific thing that I have in my head. Um, and so that's why, you know, I was like, oh, Britt and Jonathan have to come on. Well, they, need to, they need to challenge me. <laughs> that's just part of what makes you beautiful. And I think that you did something really important, and that might be illustrative to your audience, is that you turned to pornography for aid, comfort, and assistance, which is what queer people have been doing for decades. And in our community, one difference potentially um, between our various cultures is that in the queer um, in queer culture, which is really complicated and, you know, could do a whole episode on that. In queer culture, our porn stars in many ways are our shamans, just like our drag queens, um, because they are the truth tellers. Now, there are so many issues with the porn industry, as we all know, mm -hmm. lots of issues, but there's also a lot of healing to be had. And when you grow up, like many, not all, but like many queer people do, utterly alone with no points of cultural transmission, porn is often your first entree into the into queer culture. And so it's a, it's a lot more sacred in our culture, I think, than maybe in straight culture. That's that I that's this is why I have you guys on. So that's fascinating. It makes total sense. Jonathan, is it any different bi-wise or no? No. That's that's my experience too. Yeah. Really? Um there's a a non-contact contact that happens that allows you to access your community without actually being a part of it. And um yeah, and, and I think I think things perhaps have changed these days. Um, but certainly kind of Britain my experience is probably pretty similar in that regard. Um because that may have been one of the only access points, right? Certainly if you grow up out of cities or, um, yeah. Well, you know, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, which is actually um, one of the gay capitals in terms of gay culture of the Southeastern part of the US. But I grew up in the 1980s at the height of deaths due to the AIDS epidemic in the US. And at a time where gay culture was largely probably exclusively inaccessible to to gay youth and so i could have been anywhere i could have i was just in oblivion and so there were no role models they were all dying through this gentle genocide of straight supremacy that was passively purposefully allowing these deaths to occur on mass and that's something that we're still reckoning with as as a pluralistic society the, the the genocide that happened in the 80s and that we as queer people live with because we lost our mentors even without that the cultural uh, transmission points are just not baked into the cake because um you know it's all about straight supremacy you know we're told we're inundated with these culturally constituted messages about what's morally right what's what's right in terms of values and nowhere is that more played out more than in conversations around sex mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, on a different level, but similarly, for me, porn also served as a way for me to get in touch with my sexuality without having to tell anyone. Right. So being being a woman uh, and I was a serial monogamous my whole life. And and I think I still wonder about this, to be honest with you, was I. I had like, you know, four or five, two, three, four year long relationships until I met my husband. Um, and we're going on 18 years. So did I really want that? Is that what I wanted? Or was that what I thought was the safest thing to do being a young girl? I don't know. I know the girls in my grade that partied and hooked up. I know what they were viewed as. And that scared me. Not to say I wasn't jealous. I was. I was like, wow, that sounds like fun. Like going out and partying and hooking up with guys simply because you want to. But that was so foreign to me. That was like, and I did not grow up in a very religious household. I just grew up in America being a girl, right? And so I think for me, porn was my, my only quote unquote person to talk to about what I was turned on by. And like most things in my life, it wasn't mainstream, <laughs> right? So 
I, that, that was very secretive for me for a, a long time that I was even watching porn and what I was watching. And well, so there's, there's another dynamic at play here too, which is that when you consume porn, you are in control. You are the master of the universe. So you can, um, you can adjust that consumption based on your mood. Mm -hmm. And so it's very safe. It's a safe way to explore these feelings. And like you said, so eloquently in a way that does not require any sort of disclosure in a way that is um, minimizes risk mm -hmm. um, to a certain degree. And so it's just, it's, a, it's at least in queer cult, it's a really sacred space. And we don't often, because of the way that we are denigrated by straight society, we don't often air that, I mean, I don't want to say dirty laundry, we don't often have these conversations in mixed company, we'll say, because these they're often used against us. Mm -hmm. And um, that's one of the really neat things about you and your podcast is you've created such a beautiful, safe, safe space that we can share. We've built up this trust and rapport over time so that we can share and have this kind of conversations that... Um, men and women, gay, straight, bi, or whomever, mm -hmm. often don't have, which inhibit our togetherness. Yeah. Well, I, I love that, Britt, and I, I'm glad that you feel that way and that that you have found that. I mean, I I think, again, a, a while back, like towards the beginning of my podcast, I was having kind of a series of episodes, and they were all involving people that were gay, lesbian, drag, bi, trans. And finally, someone said to me, Nina is a, a gay man, said to me, Nina, for a straight, you know, cis white woman, you are, sur you surround yourself with everything but that. And very much like I was my whole life, I think I can, I actually feel safer and more like I belong to the quote unquote outliers, the, the people that that go against what society says is is the is the way to be. And I think growing up with OCD, which is a totally like hidden mental illness, like nobody could look at me and go, she's obsessive or she, you know, and the types of thoughts that I was having were were awful and terrorizing and bad. And I couldn't control them. And it's very much like um, the way I would feel if I were to tell my parents that confessing was actually one of my compulsions. So I would have a horrible thought and then have to tell my parents. And the and I will thank them until the day I die. They're meeting me with this non-alarmist vibe mm -hmm. and the stuff that I told them. I, I don't as as much as I adore my kids and I'm so open with them. If they told me half the shit that I said to my parents, that was in my head. I. I would be terrified. And they met me with such a non-alarmist vibe that it saved my life quite literally. And so I feel like maybe that is why I want anyone who feels that they are anything less than like, those are my people. <laughs> like, let me, let me let you in on a little secret. Anyone can be part of the queer community. Nina, you are welcome. There are no dues. There are there is no board of directors. There is no um, you know hazing process. There's no voting you in or out. You don't have to prove anything. You're mm -hmm. queer if you say you're queer, and that's one of the things that I like about my definition of viewing it as a culture, mm -hmm. as opposed to purely a sexual orientation. Because we all, I suspect, and you're the expert, Nina, we all experience a wide range of desires and fantasies over the course of our yeah. lifetimes. How yeah. we choose to identify from any given in any given moment might change as well. So who's to say? over the course of our life, if we're gay enough, bi enough, straight enough, queer enough. So I prefer this all, this welcoming big tent definition where you're queer if you say you're queer. And Nina, you are so welcome in our community if you choose to be. Thank you. Thank you. Agree completely. Thank you. I just, I feel like it's always been, and like I said way in the beginning, you're right, Britt, it's not about sexual orientation. I feel the same way about people that I've had on my podcast that were addicts for a very long time and lived on the streets and, and prostituted for drugs and lied to their family and all of these things. And they've come out on the other side and share their story. I am attracted to those people. I, I, 
I might not have had the same life experience, but I am beyond familiar with feeling like I am living in some parallel reality to everybody else. And I hated that feeling. It was exhausting. And I don't ever want anyone to come into my space and still experience that. It sounds, like you, it sounds like you're magnetized by personal transformation. That would be accurate. You know, and, and people that own their story, no matter what it looks like, you know, like I, and I think that when and it comes in all shapes and sizes, right? So if someone's like me and I have this really weird fantasy, I've never told anybody, I cannot wait for them to tell me so I could be <laughs> like, and <laughs> cool, you want a fucking alien? They're cool. Like, I, it's cool. Like, I, you know, like I just, I want to be the non alarmist that I so desperately needed my entire life. I, I love, love when straight identified men come to me and say, Nina, I was watching porn the other night and I happened to cross this by threesome. And when the guys were hooking up, like I didn't turn it off. And I was like, like a good move. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, um, fuck, no, you didn't turn it off. Why the hell would you turn it off? <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's, it's this, like knowing what that felt like for me to be like, yeah, Nina, that thought must be really traumatizing to you and it has nothing to do with your value as a human being you know and well, this, i just this this is why i love your podcast and i adore you because we these spaces are critical if we're going to reorient reorient our and elevate our consciousness collectively beyond these mass media depictions and narratives of how gay bi straight people women men relate and the the at least when it comes to gay men straight women we have this time honored trope which has a lot of beauty behind it where we are each other's life accessories mm -hmm. um and we're there to add local color you know we're the wacky next door neighbor or you know we're there to to have fun together which is great we need more fun but we're also complex individuals and human beings with full stories that need to be Heard. And that's why I love spaces like this that round out mm. and resist that narrative. Jonathan, one of the episodes when you were telling me about your your coming out story, you said something. Uh, you said that you came out as gay first and you were like, and I was really trying. Like I, I made it really clear that I was gay, you know, screaming. Right. And I and what I said to you was I cannot picture what that looks like. I said you could wear a tutu. And to me, I still would be like, you know, stereotypically in, in what culture is like, no way, dude. Like that's not what that's not to what a fair, guy looks like. Given the right environment and enough alcohol, <laughs> I can get there today. <laughs> and I would so be there for it, Jonathan. Yeah, I, I know you would. I know you would. <laughs> You know, so how, so I feel like it almost goes the other way. Isn't it more common for, for guys to come out as bi because they're like, uh, I, I don't, I'm like scared to come out as gay. So I'm just gonna say I'm bi, yeah. but you did the other way. Yeah, for sure. Like the, 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 the standard trope or expectation is that, is that people use bisexuality as a stepping stone, right? <laughs> I was like, no, because, because I want to be different, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> And I, you know, to be honest, and Jonathan's a lot younger than me, so you can correct me, John, but I suspect that pendulum is swinging somewhat. And maybe there's more people these days having Jonathan's experience than what Jonathan's description. We have found ourselves in a, in a, in a, an interesting area, the three of us right now. In fact, Jonathan and I did an entire show on the antipathy between gay and bi men, mainly gay men towards bi men. Gay men are generally very hostile to buy men for all sorts of reasons resulting from straight supremacy. Um, and it would, it would take a lot to, to untangle that here, but the, uh, this, the summary is one major point is that gay guys, because especially at a certain age like mine, assume that bi guys are confused or lying because many of us came out as bi as a stepping stone, as you described it, Nina, um, to fully embracing ourselves. But of course, now we know that that's just some of us did that at one point in time. And I think those dynamics are changing and many bisexual guys exist 
and us we gay guys have to just frankly get over it i mean there's still a lot of stigma and a lot of um a lot of what's the word i'm looking for can't think but there's a lot of stigma attached to it still and and it's becoming more accepted as people realize that we're not scary monsters <laughs> like the scary monsters were the gay guys for a while and and it's sort of shifted now to sort of bisexuals and and trans people and and you know it shifts with time um but yeah there's a there's I have experienced a lot from gay men. I've also experienced a lot from straight women. And so, you know, there's um, an expectation that we are confused or greedy or, you know, you name any any variation in between. Of yeah. that. I've actually coached uh, mixed orientation couples. And um, we, we've had these difficult conversations where, you know, the the wife is afraid if the, if let's say the husband is is bi and the wife says you know I'll never be able to give you what what you want you know so now I'm afraid that you're going to want to be with a man because I will never be one right and so my and I, and I I get I get that I get that fear I get it but I challenged her and I said you'll also not be that 25 year old hot woman down the street either that he's attracted to. So now what? Nice. Right? Like it isn't it isn't it's the 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 underlying thing is we aren't monogamous by nature at all. So the expectation should be doesn't matter the the gender, you know, or what they have between their legs, you're going to be attracted to other people, you know? So and I, I understand. And that's a very common thing when I talk to mixed orientation relationships is even from the guy, like I'll never be a woman. I can't give her what a woman I said, you're right. And you can't give her what Johnny, the lawn guy can either. So, I mean, at some point you either have to talk about, because I also don't think that the fantasies and sexual attraction should be muted either. So for example, if the husband, let's say, is bi and, and is attracted to men and misses that sexual connection, that's something that should be talked about. Like, hey, how can we tap into that? I know I can't give that that power dynamic to you, that that energy. I don't have that kind of energy. What how can we tap into this? Maybe it's watching buy porn together. Maybe it's buying, um, I've had clients like buy a, buy a dildo and pretend, you know, it's more up here, you know, pretend that it's a guy and maybe it's the verbal fantasies. Maybe it is exploring a man together, the two of you. Like I, there's, I, I don't, I don't want to, and I would say this to, to straight couples too. If there is this burning desire to experience other people, that it is literally taking away from your relationship, your choice is either to end the relationship because you don't want to do that or have conversations about how to entertain that in a way that's safe for your relationship. Yeah, it's really interesting because to sort of bring it full circle, one of the first things we talked about was porn. Right. And then one of the things that was coming up for me during that was how often in um, in a monogamous relationship in the past, I would turn to porn to get to fill to fulfill the need that I had for the other. Yeah. And how as I've gotten older, I have I've been single for six years. So like <laughs> I don't know what it's like to be in a relationship now for me and what yeah. that might look like. But I, I want to hope that what that means for me now is that I'd be able to approach that as a conversation mm -hmm. rather than doing the thing of having shame about it and, and hiding away and, and watching porn as a way to fulfill that need without, without approaching it at all in the conversation in any way. Um, so I think there's probably a, a dimension here of, of, of bisexual people, not just men in general, perhaps using porn as a, as a way to engage with their community, especially if they're in, a heteronormative style relationship mm -hmm. um, to sort of re-engage with that part of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I feel like even, even for me or even for my husband, if there are fantasies that I have or that he has, and we've both been like, mm, that's not safe for us. Right. All right. Then let's do this or let's watch this together. Like, I think my thing is, is that suppressing 
your innate natural state in any way is is like the the most claustrophobic stunting yeah, the feeling it's ever. The closet. you're describing closeted behavior and this is yeah. what queer people have known their whole lives personally um because it's we're forced into it and have to burst our way out of it and that's part of that thrill we described at the beginning of the conversation i couldn't help but think when you guys were speaking what you're almost describing is what i call porn with purpose there are milestones along the way of our sexual behavior one of which is are we secretive another which is are we ritualizing it that lead us into more connectedness or more disconnectedness and even if porn with purpose means fun stress relief or spirituality or community building as jonathan whatever it means I think that purpose hopefully can help us lead to um, the sharing, the disclosing, the sharing with those we trust, including our partners. Um, and this is something that gay men experience too. Even though we are, we don't have the same um, monogamy tropes um, thrust upon us quite in the same way as as straight people. We wrestle with porn and how to use it and be healthy we wrestle with should we be monogamous or not monogamous should how honest can we be how safe it is it because these these anti-femme voices these anti-polyamorous voices they we're, they're universal we, we don't we can't abstract ourselves from any of it we're swimming in this soup of collective stigma and so we have to kind of um find and forge our own ways to be fully expressed in ways that deeply resonate with us. So, so we slowly shed these media narratives that are frankly foisted upon us to disempower us and to sell us products mm -hmm. um, for a variety of reasons. Um, but that, like you were saying, Nina, constrict us and eventually start to strangle the life out of us. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, right in the beginning, Britt, when well, actually both of you guys were talking about how porn was your only connection to to the queer community it's heart-wrenching that, that that that's that that's where you had to go i've also gone through phases of it having a negative impact on me and so where you call porn with a purpose i call it productive use of porn yeah. right and one of the things i talk to people about is especially especially women who have body image struggles I say search, put in the search. I said, first of all, always use the search bar in porn. Never tell, never let porn tell you what you're going to watch. You put in what you want to watch, right? So I said, search for your body type, right? So for me, I'm about a buck 45. I had two kids. I like to eat. I work out, but you know, I, whatever. So I'm not going to look for amateur 18 year old, like hottie. Like that's not, it's not me at all, right? Porn can actually help you learn how to consciously sexualize yourself, voluntarily <laughs> see I, yourself yeah. as a sexual being. So if I'm watching porn and I see a woman whose boobs aren't like up to her chin and don't move or who has a C-section scar or who has some loose tummy skin, I'm like, that is me. That's me. Go girl. Go Nina. That's me. Right? I think, yeah, I love that. And I, and, and I think the danger is when your entry point into your community is porn, that it can distort your view of what um what is healthy and good for you as a way to connect with others right there's a there's a whole raft of straight men who only access sex as a concept through porn mm -hmm. and it creates some problems right yeah. and so whilst yeah, I see him in my see him in my sessions yeah. <laughs> yeah so so i think i think we we as self-aware queer people and people in general are able to step out of that and say is this is this a healthy expression i think there's a whole vast array of 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 humans queer or not that that perhaps don't have access to that 
and yeah. which is negatively impacting their ability to connect with others themselves community as a whole in, and express themselves in a, in a healthy way yeah you know and, and a lot of this came from not only was it starting to mess with my body image but it was also starting to mess with my orgasm perception so porn you know was made by men for men until fairly recently you know where where feminist porn is being is being is is exploding which makes me so happy and and i always tell people feminist porn isn't man hating porn like they're not like i think people feminist is a bad word in our culture so it's it's just equal pleasure that that's it that, that's all that it means right so there's actually clit stimulation in porn which is like crazy to believe but believe it or not that that's in there um but i remember for and i think that's why a lot of straight women actually get into porn by watching lesbian porn first that is like the cliche-ish like that's how i got into porn right and and all of a sudden, as we get older, we're like, oh, okay, I guess we'll watch guys. And then all of a sudden we're all, we're all messed up. Like, wait, that's supposed to feel good. She, she acts like it feels good. She says she's coming, whatever that means. And he's like jackhammering her. And so I guess I'm broken because that doesn't work for me. And so for a very long time, I was like, okay, something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with me. And, um, and so when I speak to, especially women, but also men, I'm like, hey guys, watch lesbian porn if you don't already. Watch homemade <laughs> lesbian porn. You will learn more from that than any straight porn you will ever watch. And so I feel like porn um, can have negative effects just like anything else in the world. But to be purposeful about it, to be productive, I think porn can actually help you become more sexually aware, sexually empowered. And it's a great conversation starter for couples. I can't tell yeah. you how many times I say, if my clients, and I would say 99% of them are already watching porn. Um, but I will say, if you haven't had the fantasy conversation yet, you don't even have to say it. Find a porn clip that you think is really hot and send it to your partner. That'll yeah. open up the conversation. And now for you had asked on the episode that I was on, Britt, I think you asked me, you mentioned something about the, the platonic friendship between straight cis women and gay men. What is that? A, is that a positive thing in queer culture or not? A, like, what, what do you know about gay men? What are you not telling me? <laughs> yeah, what am I supposed to be aware of? Because I love gay men. So please don't tell me not to be friends with them. <laughs> No, it is it is an incredibly positive thing. I encourage all friendships of all types and all relationships of all types. And there might be some um, still waters that are running deep that we don't have the language to discuss because we're not taught it. We, we haven't had the capacity to excavate it because we're tired feeding our families, working 10 jobs or whatever we do in the US. Um, and so um, I have a lot of empathy. I think as um, more of us do this work and find our voices, it can only be healing to um, unpack the, some of the lingering dynamics um, and place blame where it truly resides, which is um, straight supremacy and male supremacy. Um, so when it comes to relationships, French platonic relationships between straight women and gay men, like I was saying earlier, um, I think the key thing to keep in mind is we are all fully realized individuals with sex lives. Gay men are not your wacky next door neighbors. I mean, we might be, but we're more than that. Mm -hmm. and it's fun to have a laugh it's so okay to go out and have drinks and do your sex in the city cliches and all that I encourage that and I also encourage intimate vulnerable conversations where you truly get to know one another and as trust is built to share and hear each other's stories and pain for instance like we talked about um, you know, when we had you on our show, there is so much misogyny in gay culture mm -hmm. where we objectify women, even through our attempts to celebrate them. We objectify them in ways that denigrate them in, in ways that we can't, we don't even understand. Um, and we're willing to have big fights about this because we think we're doing good. 
So one common example is when we publicly comment on women's bodies, even in ways we think are praiseful, often reduces their agency in certain settings. For instance, if we're at work in a corporate environment, which is the one that I know, I, I've had a corporate job um, for, for decades, um, and we comment on a woman's looks, um, generally speaking, it's actually a very negative experience socially um, for the woman. It generally, her social standing, her professional standing is not elevated by that conversation. If it's a private one-to-one -one communication between two colleagues where a lot of trust has been built, that's wonderful if it's praiseful, of course. But if it's public in any way, or if it's between people that don't truly know each other, that's likely harmful in ways that we as gay men don't understand because we don't understand what it's like to walk through the world as a woman and experience misogyny. Yeah, and that's... So Sorry, Go Jonathan. On. No, I was just gonna, there was something really struck me there because because there's there's something about being able to walk through through the world as a bitchy, catty, exactly white male, exactly without yes. any of the stigma, without any of the without any of the yes. attached misogyny yep. that you get to walk around and, and make comments freely about exactly. about women that it's uh, it's a level of privilege and um uh and lack of or, or rather short-sightedness that that does more harm than good so yeah. you mean as opposed to straight men saying those things yes yeah because the, the because the gay men are, are, are hiding the cattiness and the bitchiness behind exactly. a, a, a face of um, just being your friend or being goofy or mm -hmm. or like it's a liberation. Yeah, like it's it's this idea that they get to say it and it doesn't mean anything because of who they are, and exactly. and and that is just a yeah yeah. And and I think too is when. When you asked me that on the podcast, uh, we had started to talk about it. And then I think we went in a different direction. But I was thinking to myself, the one word that I think that comes to mind about being friends with a gay man is safe. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know if that's accurate, to be honest with you. But as a woman, to be friends with a man that you know does not want to have sex with you, for the most part, um, is a very different feeling. Yeah, let's just say the bar is low. Straight yeah, and that's set yeah. a low bar. <laughs> that's a real pity. That the 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 thing yeah. the thing that makes you feel safe around a man is that they don't want to have sex with you. Like or, that, that's a real shame. Or let's call it. Let's go even more searing, and talk about rape culture. Yeah, that I'm not going to be raped, hopefully, by this ostensibly gay male. That yeah. is that is now I feel safe. I can be more. I mean, that's where we've set the bar as society. Yeah. I think underneath all of this, I think a lot of women are just afraid of straight men. Well, 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 when one in three women experience sexual abuse, why would they not be afraid of straight men? Right. Yeah. Which is really messed up because I married one and I, and I gave birth to one. There's an element of fear that is in most women because we have been trained to see ourselves as prey yeah, and exactly. so we have a it's almost like we're taught to look at straight men as like eagles with like talons yeah. and gay men are like pigeons who are super cute and they will never hurt you and, and that so that is the caricature that is eroding trust and preventing us from truly loving one another i i i can only imagine how thrilling it feels to to experience a moment where I can set down the fear of being assaulted. However, there is more richness in this world for you as women. You can require more of your friends and you're gonna to have to trust me when I tell you that the way gay men speak about straight women when they're not in the room is often vile and offensive. Mm. Why do you think that is? Like, like Because gay men are just as misogynist as straight men. Gay men are at the top of the pecking order almost when it comes to privilege in this world. If we're talking about white and, and mm -hmm. cis, 
Um, obviously, we're at the intersection of multiple identities. We all experience adversity and privilege and all of that. But if we're speaking in the aggregate at the highest terms, gay men have lots of privilege and agency in this world, and they're really happy to use it to combat the adversities they experience um, from straight supremacy there, and, and to earn the wink and the nod from the straight man. So just for a moment, the gay man can feel like they won't be assaulted. And so they will bond with the straight man on the backs of women. Mm. Now this is step airing on very you. Laundry. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, this, yeah, this is airing dirty laundry, but we will sell you out in a heartbeat, like Jonathan was saying, without even realizing it. And this is gonna enrage a lot of gay people listening to this who don't want this conversation to be had or are unwilling to admit it and, and examining the way privilege works in their life and the way misogyny works in their life. But I implore any gay man listening to this to think about the last time they stood um, up with women on an issue that did not directly involve them for which they had to pay a price. So for instance, let's make this very real. Women are about to lose the legal right to safe abortion in this country. And what are gay men doing about it? Fuck all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a painful realization, you know, when you guys, when you, when you're, when I was thinking about like, why, why am I attracted to to gay men? And 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 with bi men, and again, I'm owning that all of this is is bullshit. But I'm just telling you, this is this is the narrative that that's been put there. Is even with bi men, I'm half as scared. That's how it feels. <laughs> I was like, well, they're not going to be as almost like I'm their their desire to sexually conquer me is muted a little bit versus a straight man. What's really interesting is my experience of that is I, I feel that from women. I feel that level of, yeah, I kind of feel safe around you. A little bit more than that guy over there, but still don't really feel safe. Yeah. But yeah. Jonathan, is that a neutering experience for you? Yeah, I mean, I've been single for the last six years, predominantly because my experience is that most people hear bisexual and freak out on some level. Um, so yeah, yes, yes. I, I would say that it has prevented me from seeking relationship because of any form, even friendship, because um, because my my experience is that the expectation is that everybody that I interact with thinks I want to have sex with them. And I, and I almost want to be like, don't flatter yourself. Don't <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. you? Like, like really, seriously, don't flatter yourself. Right. I like, am not like I am not. I don't have that level of sexual attraction. I have to have an emotional connection with you first. I'm right. not looking at you thinking, God, yeah, I want to sleep with you. That's just, that's not my experience. Right, right. Just like being a straight woman, I don't look at every man and go, I want to have sex with you. I'm attracted to you. I like, and, and so I think that what it boils down to when you take away everything is, and, a, and this is coming from a woman who has an amazing father, an amazing relationship with my parents and my dad. He has instilled respect and encouraged me to, to go for whatever the hell I want to go for. He is not, at least not outwardly misogynistic that, I, that I, he didn't raise me that way. Like I didn't learn it from him, right? Any boyfriend I've ever had has been incredible. And to this day, I have nothing bad to say about any serious relationship I've ever had. They've been incredible. My husband's great. My son is great. And I still. Exactly. Still go. Exactly. Like if Even I had that to love was not enough. You grew up in this dream situation. You've had these wonderful experiences. And straight supremacy, male supremacy is so pervasive and so toxic. Even that love was not enough. And how heartbreaking. Yeah. And I think that there's people have asked me before, um, do you think guys, you know, straight guys and straight women can be friends? And my answer is, of course, they can be friends. What you're that's not what you're asking. You're asking if a straight guy and a straight girl can be friends without fucking it up by having sex. That's what you're asking. Right. And so and my answer is, yes, I believe that straight people can be attracted to each other and make the choice not to do anything about it. Whereas I feel like in a straight woman gay guy friendship that that extra level of having to like um not be as authentic because you're kind kind of weighing in like does if i say this is he going to want to have sex with me like that goes on in my head there are a lot of straight women and gay guys having sex out there yeah that too 
And this is why I wanted you guys on. I was like, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I, okay. So I, I have, I know that Jonathan, you have a time crunch and I swore to you that even though I could talk to you guys for 17 hours, I would, I would really be mindful of the time. Um, I honestly could have you guys back on 55 times and not touch the surface of all of the things that I just require being challenged on. And this is why I adore you guys and just learn so much about being human from you both and how to be a better one, right? And and more self-actualized and more self-aware. These are thoughts that I think many people have, but like you said in the beginning, they don't have the space to have these conversations. Oh my gosh. I wish we all lived in the same place. I would just have <laughs> I would just have coffee all the time with you guys. Or like tea, tea and crumpets. I'd be in for that. <laughs> tea and crumpets. You know we don't really do that all that often. Oh my god. No, I actually do. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna be thinking. Just like about that I think no gay man wants to have sex with me. I also think that everyone in the UK drinks tea and eats it. <laughs> <laughs> We started off talking about it being a show about stereotypes, so that works, all right? <laughs> I mean, I I'm feel like most crying. of our thoughts are based on stereotypes. I'd be here to challenge them all, you know? But you guys are great. And so where, so Jonathan, where can people find you? Um, JonathanBeal.com is the easiest way to get to everything. Um, and, you, and you can find our podcast, Not Going Quietly, dot today. It will take you to everything that you need to know about that. Not going quietly dot today. Correct. Okay, cool. I thought you meant like find it today. But, but... <laughs> yeah, do. Definitely do. Yeah. And if you can't like, find it there, then just search on your favorite podcast platform, right? <laughs> I was like, why did he say dot? Like, that's weird. But okay, so it's not dot com. It's literally dot today. Dot today, okay. yeah. Gotcha. Awesome. Awesome. And Jonathan, why would somebody want to find you? Like, what can you help them with? What are you helping people with? Self-kindness. Mm. Um, we spend a lot of our time criticizing ourselves internally. And one of the best skills that we can learn is how to be kinder to ourselves. And so that's what, I, that's what I've spent most of my life figuring out how to do <laughs> and now share it where I can. <laughs> I would say as coaches, we just have to be one step ahead of the people that we coach. Just one step. I don't have the perfect sex life, but I have a pretty solid one and I did a shit ton of work to get there. So just stay yes. one one step ahead of everybody else. Awesome. Jonathan, and I'll put that information in the in the podcast Thanks. notes too. And Britt, how can people find you? BrittEast.com is the hub for all my work. I am not a coach, but if you want to read my articles, buy my book, read my blog, et cetera, et cetera, it's all right there on my website with links to everything. And then, of course, I'm the co-host with Jonathan of Not Going Quietly. And we also have a YouTube channel, so I encourage you to search for us on YouTube as well. Awesome. Thank you guys so, 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 so much. I adore you both from the bottom of my white cis (laughs) female heart. It's been a pleasure. Clearly confused on multiple levels. (laughs) I just adore you guys and thank you so, so, so much. Thank you, Nina. Thank you.